0: Guys, what a wonderful worship set this morning. Y'all, we are thankful. We have some very talented folks in our church. And I'm grateful for everybody that has just sang to the Lord this morning. Um years ago I was a youth pastor. I was about this tall, but when I did, um one of my students uh, was Caitlin Swords, and uh sometimes we'd have me and my wife would always be there and sometimes we just have two or three kids show up, you know, when you're starting things out. And uh, and Caitlin was always there, bud, in sixth grade and Always had an ability to do art. I mean, always just been a gifted artist. And uh, years ago, I mean, this kid was in middle school. I used to joke with her and say, Caitlin, one day you're going to do something like for the church, right? Like i want to get you to do something artistic. And she would just laugh and draw some fun anime, cool thing. Um, But she designed that little sermon bumper for us, y'all. I talked to her this week or a couple weeks ago. I said, Caitlin, if you're up for it, man, just be praying over this. We're, We're talking about the book of Genesis, you know, getting into this series. She's a student down at Savannah College of art and design, SCAD, and uh, just doing great things. So Caitlin, if you're watching this morning, very proud of you and excited to see this. And if you need an artist, I happen to know a girl, all right? So um, we'll we'll introduce uh, y'all. Last year in 2022, we spent the month of January preaching through and talking through just like half of the book of Genesis, right? Just some of these crazy stories that if you were raised in the church, you might've heard. If you weren't raised in the church, we're very new, right? A lot of things there. Um, and we, we took a break right around Jacob and Esau, right? And we to recap that in just a little bit. But today we're actually kind of picking up again for the, for the next couple of weeks, just looking at some old school stories in the book of Genesis, all right. If you don't know where that one is, it's the first one in the Bible, all right? So we can jump in there real easy to find in just a little bit when we'll be in Genesis chapter 37. If you've got a Bible or a device, it'll be on the screen a little bit as well. We invite you to open up to Genesis 37. We're going to be looking at a guy named Joseph who had a coat of many colors He was a little bit of a dreamer, all right? He had a couple of dreams from the Lord, shared those with some folks. Didn't go as well as he may have imagined early on. Um, If you're unfamiliar with this story um, or just the Bible itself, I just want to give a quick recap, all right? So I'm going to summarize like, I don't know, 15 chapters of the Bible in about three minutes just to give a quick summary I don't want any of us to ever fall into a trap, whether you're new to church or you've been born and raised like in the Bible Belt in church, of ever thinking that people in the Bible are pretty removed from the daily life that we live now, right? Like like the world that they lived in back then was probably a lot cleaner and purer and happier and easier, maybe. I don't know if y'all have ever fallen into that, actually think maybe what would they feel like if they lived in 2023 USA? Because the culture is so much different, family dynamics are so much different, everything has changed quite a bit. So I want to just do a quick recap to let us know and be reminded this morning that the guy we're looking at today named Joseph was not from a perfect family. He was not from a culture that had everything figured out and was doing it extremely well. He was a real guy that had a real childhood, real struggle, and a real life. And God continued to do miraculous things in and through him. So to back in this thing up a little bit, all right, there's a guy named Abraham. Anybody grew up in church in the 90s? Father Abraham had? Let's go. Had many sons, had Father Abraham. So Father Abraham... Had a couple of kids with two different ladies. One was Hagar. She had a son named Ishmael. The other was Sarai, changed her name to Sarah. She bore a son and named him Isaac. So Sarah and Ishmael had a little bit of a falling out. Sarah and Hagar had a little bit of a falling out. Hagar and Ishmael end up leaving the scene. Abraham and Isaac continue to grow older. Isaac grows up and marries a woman whose name was Rebekah. Scripture says, it's a neat one. There aren't many stories like this in the Bible that when Rebecca was still a long way off, like their eyes kind of caught, It's a sweet little romance thing where she caught his eye and he caught her eye and they're both like, hey, who's that girl? You know, who's that guy? And it worked out well. So Isaac and Rebecca get married and they had two sons. One whose name was Esau, who I've always related to in some ways because he was told had red hair, that's not me, but he was quite the hairy guy. That's what the scripture says. He was a red-headed, very hairy person, and he happened to be his mom's favorite. It's clear throughout the stories that mom had a favorite and dad had a favorite. Jacob's dad, um, excuse me, Jacob was his dad's favorite, was, was Isaac's favorite. Jacob and Esau always went back and forth with each other, fighting for not just favoritism, but blessing and inheritance and lots of other really important things in their culture. It's crazy. One day Esau comes in from hunting all day. He says, man, I'm starving. Jacob's sitting there. He's got a little bowl ready to go of food. And Esau says, man, give me some food. He says, sell me. What was it at first? His birthright or his inheritance? Birthright. Inheritance. It was one of the birthright or the inheritance. And he comes in and Esau says, man, I'm so hungry right now. I'll give you anything. So he sells it in that moment. A few years later, Jacob and his mom, Rebecca, come up with a plan to trick the dad Isaac, who's in his old age, and his eyesight's beginning to fail so that Jacob can get the blessing of the firstborn son. So they put goat skins on his arms to make him hairy like his brother. They made him smell like a hunter. She goes before the mom, and it works. And then Esau comes out of the field and says, hey, it's time for the blessing. And Jacob's dad, Isaac, says, I've already blessed you. So naturally, Esau said, it's no big deal. I love him anyway. Absolutely not, y'all. Esau straight up loses it. He says, I'm going to kill you, right? So Jacob picks up and flees to get away from his brother. Jacob ends up going to a guy's house named Laban, who's also his uncle, his mom's brother. He falls in love with a girl named Rachel. He goes to Rachel, goes to her dad and says, hey, I want to marry this girl. Dad says, 100%, just work for me for seven years and we'll work this thing out. Jacob says, let's go. Somehow, we're not going to detail, like somehow he ends up, having relations with the wrong sister. So he's with a girl named Leah for a while, and then he finds out he's with, for real, with the wrong sister, goes to the dad, the uncle, his uncle Laban, and says, hey man, I was supposed to marry this other girl, and you gave me your other daughter. He says, my bad, not really. He says, okay, work another seven years, and you can have this one. So he says, okay. So he does it for another seven years, marries that girl. So Jacob is now married to two different ladies. They both begin, the first, Leah begins to bear children. She allows, uh, the Lord uses them, and she has Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, and a little girl named Dinah. Well, then Leah stopped having children. Rachel's not able to have children at the time. So Rachel goes to Jacob and says, hey, I can't have children. Take my maidservant, Bilhah, and have children with her. Jacob does. A lot of names, sorry. Leah is unable to have kids at this time. She goes to Jacob and says, well, I want you to have more kids with me too, but I can't have any more kids. Take my maidservant, right? This is a true story. These are the 12 tribes of Israel that are being born out of all this. So then after all that, Rachel begins to bear children and has two sons, one named Joseph, who we're getting to today, and a younger one named Benjamin. All that to say, Joseph was born into a house that had a little bit of stuff going on, had a little bit of history, It's crazy, y'all. The youngest, the only daughter that we have by name in this lineage, Dinah, one day is walking nearby in a nearby town, and this guy named Shechem, who is the son of Hamor, takes note of her and does terrible things. Word gets back to the family that something terrible has happened to their sister. So Simeon and Levi come up with a plan. They go to the tribe of Shechem and they say, all right, y'all, you want to marry my sister? You like her, you can marry her. You just got to get circumcised, every man in the town. And those guys weren't from Borden County. They were like, you know what I mean? I mean, here, no, I don't think so. Those guys at the time were like, sure, let's go. True story, it's in the Bible. So Simeon and Levi said, all right, this is the sculpture. This is what you got to do. Then you can marry a daughter. They leave the men, all the men in the camp go through circumcision. On the third day when everyone is in the most pain, Simeon and Levi come back in with swords and slaughter them all. True story. Word gets back to the dad and dad says, what are you doing? That's right. It's crazy. Y'all, one of Jacob's kids had a relationship with one of his wives? It's a mess. We get all that, and then we're told that these are the 12 tribes of Israel. This is God's people, which gives me a lot of hope because sometimes we all struggle. Before we get into the passage, we're about to be in Genesis chapter 37, verse 2. The first thing I want us to take note of, I've got a few things to take note of It's in scripture, is that God is bigger than our family history. Hear this, God is bigger than our family history. Some of us came from phenomenal families, and we praise the Lord for that. Some of us came from families that were kind of broken, and some of us have come from families that are utterly broken. God will never hold you or me accountable for the sins of anyone other than ourselves. If you come from the best family on the block, God will honor that and work miracles in your life. If you come from a family where other people used to say things like the other side of the tracks or whatever is going on, God knows you. He has created you. He has a plan for you. And scripture says he works all things together for the good of those who love him. Not all things are good, but he works all things together for the good of those who who love him? He is bigger than our family history. Joseph knew that, and he experienced that over and over again in his life. Genesis chapter 37, verses 2 to 4 says this. These are the generations of Jacob, right? That's how we kind of got to this. I just summarize that. Joseph, being 17 years old, was pasturing the flock with his brothers. It's 12 boys total. He was a boy with the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah, his father's wife. And Joseph brought a bad report of some of these brothers to their father. Now Israel, another name given to Jacob, Jacob and Israel, the same person. Now Israel, Jacob, loved Joseph more than any of his sons because he was born in his old age. Other people think that Jacob actually loved Rachel first. So Jacob was his first love and Joseph was the firstborn of that love. Maybe one of the reasons that Joseph was at the top of the list for him. So Jacob made a robe of many colors and he gave it to Joseph. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peacefully to him. That's a good way to put that. They hated him and could not speak peacefully, peaceably, peacefully to him. Favoritism has no place in the home. All right? This, tech, this took place a long time ago. But these guys in this Old Testament story, throughout their days, were struggling with some of the same things that some of the people hearing these words right now are struggling with. If you were the favorite in your household growing up, don't raise your hand. We already know. <laughs> right like everybody some of us maybe grew up in a household or in a household right now like i'm pretty much the favorite i don't know if that's it or not hear this if you have children or grandchildren somebody like that in the home favoritism doesn't end well it'll lead to some tension some funny stories and if you're the siblings please argue with each other about who is the favorite but when it comes to moms and dads and grandparents and leaders in the home favoritism doesn't end well Jacob realized that in his own household. What's crazy is Jacob was raised up in a household where favoritism split the household apart. And what does he do in the next generation? He carries that with him. Not only in his mind saying that Joseph is his favorite, telling everybody that Joseph is his favorite. Gave the boy a coat of many colors. We don't have a lot of coat of many colors in here this morning, but in his day, it was a big deal. It set him apart. Other people that saw him knew he had something that everyone else did not have also good to remember that you cannot hate your brother and love God at the same time. All right. Scripture doesn't skirt around this. It says that Joseph's brothers hated him. They couldn't speak peacefully to him. I'm going to encourage you this morning, If there is someone in your life right now that when they come to your mind or you're getting prepared to meet with them or something like that, and all you have is things that are not peaceful to say about them, I am not saying that God wants you to go and hold hands and sing Kumbaya. That is not what we're saying. But what I am saying is if you're not careful, that can lead to bitterness, what can lead to hatred, which can become like a cancer to our bones. 1 John 4:20 says, if anyone says, I love God, but hates his brother, the Bible says that you are a liar. That's heavy. And it doesn't even like justify a little more clauses under there. Like, well, if you knew what he did, it doesn't No, It says like you can't have hatred at all. I mean, you got to like everybody, but you can't have the hatred in there. Joseph's brothers hated him. They couldn't speak peacefully to him. And they did not acknowledge that with anyone, but let it fester. What I found in my own life is that when I let things like that fester, it usually doesn't end well. Everything on the surface can look good, but underneath it could be flowing lava waiting to erupt. If you have hatred in your heart for someone else this morning, I would highly encourage you to bring that to the Lord. Confess it to him. Lay it down surround yourself with some one or two other people that can walk with you through that process because Joseph was raised in a household that did not and it led to even crazier things the scripture goes on to say in 37 verses 5 to 11 now Joseph had a dream when he told it to his brothers look at what they do they hated him even more he said to them hear this dream that I have dreamed behold "...we were binding sheaves in the field, and behold, my sheaf arose and stood upright. Behold, your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf." His brothers said to him, "...are you indeed to reign over us? Are you indeed to rule over us?" So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words." doesn't stop there. He has another dream and told it to his brothers and said, behold, I have dreamed another dream. Behold, the sun, the moon, and 11 stars. There's 12 boys. You got 11 stars. They're figuring this out. We're bowing down to me. When he told it to his father and to his brothers, his father rebuked him and said to him, what is this dream you have dreamed? Shall I and your mother, brothers bow down before you ourselves to the ground? Surely no. His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept this saying in mind. Joseph was a dreamer, and I believe the Lord was speaking to Joseph in those dreams. All of us are reading the story, knowing the rest, some of us knowing the rest of Joseph's life. The Joker goes on to do some wild stuff. Not a spoiler, but the dreams come true, right? But he didn't know that at the time. You ever woken up from a dream and thought, what in the world? did that mean? I'm not saying that's from the Lord. Interestingly enough, only Joseph, the stepfather of Jesus on this earth, had God speak to him through a dream. Most other people had a revelation from the Lord, a word from the Lord, a vision from the Lord. So I'm just saying, I'm not saying God can't speak through dreams because clearly he does. But throughout the New Testament, he doesn't do it as often as he did in the, in the Old Testament. So Joseph has these dreams and goes before his brothers and says, you're not going to believe this dream that I have dreamed. Not knowing what was planned for him oftentimes in life our destiny comes after time trials suffering and detours it's interesting to me that god's first revelation to joseph was not hey brother like let me show you what's about to happen in six days your boys are going to throw you in a pit and sell you as a slave you're going to be in prison for a long time right that's what's coming for this guy but that wasn't his first dream. His first dream was sheaves are gonna bow down. Stars, moon, and sun are gonna bow down. He's getting a glimpse of what God has prepared even though it hasn't come into fruition just yet. He didn't understand it. His brothers didn't understand it. His father didn't even understand it. It would take years for everyone to see what was being shared by God in that moment. Sometimes I laugh with my wife when we open up a car door. This is probably in your car. It's sometimes mine. You ever open up a car door and like a Chick-fil-A cup and something rolls out and you're like, what come on come on like right you're like can we clean this a little bit but sometimes I laugh with her because there's just me confession time like you open the back door of the seat and you go wow there's a lot going on right back there like that's (laughs) that's a lot Sometimes I've, I've wondered if maybe when I was a 17-year-old kid in youth group on a youth retreat, just having a moment with the Lord and said, Lord, would you just give me a sign? You ever done that? Like, just show me what it's going to look like, brother. Just show me what's going to happen. And maybe he gave me a glimpse of a messy backseat. You, know, you ever wonder? And in that moment thinking, I don't know what that means. Because there's no way for us to fully understand what God has prepared for us 10, 15, 20 years down the road. Even if it's a little messy. There was no way for Joseph to understand what God was about to do through him. And yet he had a dream of what was to come. No one else understood it either. What's crazy is when he shared it with other people, they hated him for it. In the life of Joseph, I'm reminded that I need to be gentle when sharing what God has shared with me with other people. Be gentle when sharing what God has shared with you. God speaks. We are created to know him more every day. I pray that you know Jesus more right now than you did a week ago and a year ago, that you know more about the Bible right now than you did a week ago and a year ago. But we must be gentle, not cautious. I'm not worried about being afraid. I'll say what the Bible says all day long, but we must be gentle at times when we share that with other people. You ever had a moment with the Lord? He's just moving and shaking and you're just moved and you're ready to go tell somebody and you tell them and you're just relaying all this stuff and their reaction is, Okay, sounds pretty good. And you're like, did you not hear what I just said? Or other times where God will give you a vision or a glimpse into something that is to come and you share it with somebody else and maybe they're not even at all. You might even have other people pushing against or trying to discourage you from it. Joseph had a dream from the Lord and when he shared it with other people, it wasn't well received. We don't know the tone. We don't have... A video of when Joseph went to his brothers. Option A, he went to his brothers first because they were doing something they really shouldn't have done and said, Y'all got to knock it off. I want to tell dad. And then later had a dream and said, Hey guys, come together. I need wise counsel. Maybe that was him as a 17 year old. I don't know if there's a Lord speaking. I don't know what's going on, brother. Like, I'm struggling. What do you think this dream means? That's option A. Option B was, he was a 17 year old kid and said something like, One day y'all gonna bow down to me. God told me in a dream. We don't know which way it's going. Either way, we know that his brothers hated him for it and it was not well-received. Just because it's not well-received doesn't mean it needs to be said. We must stand firm on the foundation. Be like Jesus when sharing what God has done. Lead with grace, land with truth. Scripture goes on to say that Jacob sends Joseph later to find his brothers in Dothan. Not Dothan, Alabama, right? This is Dothan, Middle East. So he says, you got to go find your brothers and see what's going on. Verses 19 to 36, it's a lot of verses, but it's a crazy story. They said to one another, as they see Joseph coming towards them, here comes this dreamer. Don't even call him a brother. Here comes this dreamer. Come now. Look at where they go. I don't think it was decided in the moment. I think they've been hating on this guy so long. It's been festering up so long. They're ready to finally act. Come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. Then we will say that a fierce animal has devoured him. They already had a backup plan. Look at what they said, and we will see what becomes of his dreams. But when Reuben, the oldest, heard it, he rescued him out of their hands saying, let us not take his life. Reuben's got a little bit of sense here. He's like, hey, let's calm down a little bit. Reuben said to them, shed no blood. Throw him into this pit here. In the wilderness, but don't lay a hand on him. Look at Reuben's plan that he, Reuben, might return later and rescue him and restore him to his father. At least one of the twelve was like, we can figure this thing out. Let's give a little bit of time. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the robe of many colors that he wore, and they took him and threw him into a pit. I like this fact, but the pit was empty. There was no water in it. And they sat down to eat. I don't know what the conversation sounded like as they were eating a meal above the pit and Joseph was in the pit, but I'm guessing Joseph had some questions in this moment of what has just happened. What are they talking about, for real? While they're eating, what girl they're gonna take to the movie? I don't know what they're talking about. Are they still talking about how much they hate him? Are they coming up with a plan of how we're gonna get away from this? But they're sitting up eating as their brother's in a pit. Looking up, they see a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead, with their camels bearing gum, balm, and myrrh on their way, carrying it down to Egypt. See a big crew of people coming. Then Judah said to his brothers, "What profit is it, <laughs> prophets of Gore, What profit is it if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother." Our own flesh. He's like rationalizing. Isn't that good? Like, we're not going to treat him too bad. Just sell him as a slave. He's our brother for all. And his brothers listened to him. Then Midianite traders passed by and they drew Joseph up, lifted him out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. They took Joseph to Egypt. When Reuben returned to the pit, that was the one that had a plan, saw that Joseph was not in the pit, he tore his clothes and returned to his brothers and said, the boy is gone and I, where shall I go? And they took Joseph's robe, they slaughtered a goat, they dipped it, dipped the robe in the blood. And they sent the robe of many colors and brought it to their father and said, this we have found. Please identify whether it is, again, not our brother, whether it is your son's robe or not. And he identified it and said, it is my son's robe. A fierce animal has devoured him. Joseph is without doubt torn to pieces. Then Jacob, the father of this kid, y'all, tore his garments, put on sackcloth on his loins, and he mourned for his son many days. All his sons and his daughters rose up to comfort him. How are they? They're comforting him, knowing what they've done. But he refused to be comforted and said, no, I shall go down to Sheol to my son mourning, meaning I'm going to spend the rest of my life broken until I see this kid again. Thus, his father wept for him. Meanwhile, the Midianites had sold him in Egypt to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard. That's crazy, right? It's wild to me in this life, just as in the lives of people in the Old Testament, how quickly the tides have changed, how quickly the tides can change. One of my favorite movies called, uh, was it Free Day, Fun Day? What's that one called? netflix anybody else watching that one yesterday yesterday has anybody seen yesterday there's a great line in that movie where he says the tots have turned (laughs) This is my favorite but the tots can turn quickly the tides can change quickly It's crazy to me that Joseph went from being the favorite with a colorful jacket to being a slave in a few hours. It's ironic that Jacob was tricked by his sons the same way he had tricked his father a generation before when Jacob slaughtered a goat and put the goat skin on his arms to be like his brothers. His boys are now doing the same thing by dipping his son's coat in the blood of goats to trick him into thinking he was dead. The tides can quickly change. I do not believe, this is just me, when Joseph was riding with a bunch of slave traders on his way to Egypt. He he could have been. But I don't know if he was singing praises to the Lord, like, Lord, you are good. You got everything in your hands. I am in your favor. I'm just going to rest in this. He might have. But if he was anything like us, I think he might have had a few questions saying, What is going on? He knew his family was pretty dysfunctional. He didn't know the hatred was this bad. Or if he did, I don't think he thought his brothers were going to try to kill him or sell him as a slave. He was going one direction one day in the midst of a few hours, everything shifted. And now he's going the other direction. Have you ever had a moment in life where everything's going one way, maybe the way you had planned or thought it was going to go. And something happens in the moment in the twinkling of an eye, and it shifts everything into a different direction. I think most of us have been there. I like go to the beach. I have three kids at the beach. It's not as relaxing as going to the beach without kids, but it's still fun. My wife sets up, we set a little tent on the beach. We go out in the water. She says, we're sunscreen. We argue about that for a little bit. And then we get in the water with the three kids. The tent's there. You ever do this? The tent is the barometer. Like it's the, it's the, it's the plumb line, right? Like it's going to keep me focused. Play with the kids, get distracted for a while, 10, 20, 30 minutes, an hour. I don't know how long we're out there. You look up, what happens sometimes? Tent's gone, right? Like we move the daggum tent. Like where'd the tent go? Nobody moved the tent. What usually happens? We've drifted down the beach in the current. I could fuss at her or somebody else for moving the tent, but lo and behold, it's me because I took my eyes off of where I'd entered the water. I had drifted somewhere that I had not planned on going. One of the things I've learned in my spiritual life is that sometimes a current comes by and shifts the direction of my life that is not controlled by me and it is controlled by other people. I have to trust the Lord in those moments, continue to praise him and continue to acknowledge that he is sovereign and he has a plan even if I don't understand it in the moment. Sometimes the sins of other people will change the course of our life and I believe that breaks the very heart of God. Some of the people in this room have experienced pain and suffering and hurt at the hands of other people. I want you to know God has not neglected that. He is a righteous judge. He is faithful. He has not forgotten about you but you are still his child and he is still your God. There are other times in life where we get into a different current because we take our eyes off the prize and we end up somewhere where we never thought we would go. If that's you today, know that we serve a God who chooses to come into the waters with us and find us where we are and walk us back to what he has planned because the tides can change quickly. We also trust church that God is always setting the stage. He is always setting the stage just because we can't see it, just because we can't understand it, even if we don't like it nothing in this world can prevent God from doing what only God can do. He is sovereign. He is righteous. He is powerful. He is not intimidated. He is not easily fooled. You can't pull a fast one on him. In this world, we are going to think sometimes, I don't know how they got away with that in me. You can't do that with the Lord. Joseph had things prepared for him in his life before the world was created. He went from being his dad's favorite son with a fancy jacket to find out his brothers hate him so much they wanted to kill him, thinking his dad's never gonna know what happened to him, sold as a slave in a country far, far away. But as we're gonna see over the next couple weeks, he never lost his trust in the Lord. The devil wants you to believe that God has forgotten about you, is neglecting you, is not paying attention to your hurt. I want you to know that is not from the Lord. He knows his children's voices. He knows his children's hurts. He knows their habits and hangups. He knows what we're going through. He is faithful and he's always setting the stage. Even when we can't understand it, even when we don't see exactly what he's doing, nothing can prevent God from doing what only God can do. He is good. A few years ago, a friend of mine, Kenny Bond, who used to do the communion every week, would set the trays, and we'd do all that stuff. We had less chair sections back then, but same green. We had the same color green, but one time Kenny called me, and he said, Danny, um, I need to go to the hospital now. So I went, and we picked him up, and I took him to Piedmont in Atlanta, and on the way in, something happened with his blood pressure something. Some of y'all were there back then. He couldn't, he couldn't, he couldn't get to the doctor's office. So we sat down for a while and I said, man, I got to find a wheelchair or something, Kenny. And we're just kind of figuring things out. And I got him in there and they ran some tests and something had bottomed out and he pulled through that one. But as I waited with him that afternoon, I will never forget what he told me as he was going through some of that. I said, Kenny, this is hard, brother. You know, you're hurting and I know you're getting tired. And he said a phrase that he said so many times. He said, Danny, in this life, I have to do what I can do. You have to do what you can do. And we got to let God take care of the rest. To know that we serve a God who continues to take care of the rest. There are walking miracles in this room, church. Absolute miracles of people and the stories and the things that we have been through. That by any statistical analysis, you should not be standing or sitting or experiencing life the way you are right now. But we have a fun phrase that people say in the old church, but God... But God had a different plan. We're leaving the story off right now. Joseph is in a cart, probably chained up, being taken as a slave into Egypt. But God had another plan. Other people in this room may have gotten a daughter's report, or a word from a spouse, or a word from a kid, or some type of thing in this last week that is making you wonder what is going on. Can I leave you those two words? But God has another plan. He continues to work. He continues to move. He continues to lead. He is always setting the stage for doing the things that only he can do. You do your part. I do my part. God's gonna take care of the rest because he is faithful and just. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for promising to meet with us on this day, for allowing us the chance to read this story of Joseph from many years ago. It's an old story, Lord. Joseph and his family went through a lot of the same things that some of us go through today. Well, not the pit part, hopefully, but a lot of the other parts, Lord. I thank you for not having favorites when it comes to your children. For allowing all of us to be exactly the same. People that are in need of a a Savior. Lord, today, I pray for those hearing these words right now. If anyone feels as if for some reason, Lord, you are far from them, it could be because of what someone else has said or done that has changed the current, changed the situation, changed the environment. Lord, I pray for us. May we present those things before you, trust you with them, ask you for help. Acknowledge your presence, Lord. For others of us, maybe we've gotten to a situation because of our own doing, something we have personally said. Thank you for never running out of grace, Lord, for always extending a hand of mercy. I thank you that you're with us on the best days of life, God, when we have the, like, like Joseph, when we have the colorful robe, when we're at family meal. Dad's proud, Lord, but thank you for also being our God that is with us when things go in a direction that we had not planned, even in a direction when we realize, like I think Joseph did in this story, I have no control. Help us to always be willing to surrender, Lord. Let us surrender our will to yours, our authority under your authority, our power under your power, our thinking under your thinking, Lord. I pray for us as a church and a body of believers that we would trust in Christ together. Lord, if there's anyone hearing these words right now that has never trusted Jesus as their Lord and Savior, May today be the day when they kneel before you, right even in the altar of their heart. Scripture says that if we confess Jesus Christ as Lord and believe in our hearts that God has raised him from the dead, we will be saved. Confess him as Lord. Believe in what he has done. And remember that he is always with us. If you prayed that or want to know more about starting a relationship with the Lord, let today be the day. you share that with me or someone else as we continue to surrender everything we have unto the Lord. We pray these things in Jesus' holy name.